Brewer fans, welcome to the Brewers Trilogy podcast presented by the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy, the podcast for neither them diehard baseball fans, but also for those fans enjoy cheering for a team that revolves around beer. My name is Tyler, aka T Plush, your host for the show, and I'm a contributor for reviewing the brew for Fansided and one of the founders of the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy podcast. Where we tweet a lot about the Bucks, Brewers, and Packers. You can find all the work we do on Twitter at trilogy underscore pod. As always, I'm joined with good buddy Trevor, a.k.a. Sunshine Bender. You can find him on Twitter at Bender underscore Trevor. And we are here to go over our second segment of the MLB Draft Recap. So we'll be covering rounds three through five on this pick. So we are going to just jump right into it. We're going to start with Xavier Warren. So I got a little soundbite on him here. Central Michigan hasn't had a position player taken the first five rounds since 1980. But that drought should end this year with Xavier Warren. A switch hitter with a quick sound swing from both sides. He makes line drive contact with ease. It's more of a gap-to-gap hitter than a home run threat, though he did set a school record with 22 doubles last year. He's not afraid to work deep counts in the pursuit of walks. He plays quicker than his fringy to average speed thanks to aggressiveness on the bases. Warren's future defensive home is in question because his so-so range and funky arm action aren't suited for shortstop. His solid arm could make him an asset at third base where he played in the Cape Cod League if he shows enough power to profile there or he could wind up as an offensive second baseman. He spent some time behind the plate for the Chippewas this spring. While there are mixed reviews on him as a catcher, his high school position, he has the hands, arm, and athleticism to possibly make it work with more experience. All right, so Xavier Warren, 21-year-old, and was announced as a catcher for the Brewers, but his position is really truly unknown. He played a lot of shortstop for the Chippewas. He played catcher in high school, third base in the Cape Cod League, and can really just play about anywhere in the infield. He's a switch hitter. He has more gap-to-gap power rather than over-the-wall power. He's not afraid to work deep into counts and draw walks, and you can see that by his on-base percentage. In 2019 at Central Michigan, he had an on-base percentage over 500. It was 502, which was best in the MAC. (laughs) And then to go along with that, in 2019, he also had 27 multi-hit games and 21 multi-RBI games. So really strong hit tool guy, very versatile, can play anywhere. Seems very David Stearns-like. <laughs> Would you agree with that, Trevor? Yeah. I mean, we talked about it on the rounds one and two recap, that it's just it's strong hit tool or it's a guy that can run. And the fact that he's... I, I mean, I don't know about his defense because I'm not going to pretend to act like I've watched film on this guy. Um, but I will say that the fact that he has played catcher, third base, you know, wherever he has played, and if he can do that decently good to have some versatility, even so much as, like, if he gets up to the big leagues and maybe he's not an everyday catcher, 
but maybe you can, you know, throw him at third base occasionally to help give rest days or throw him behind the plate to help give rest days. Like, I feel like there is some added benefit of that with this pick and the fact that he, all he does is get on base. Maybe you have a stud catcher that you have and you just need him to get some rest every fifth day. You know, he, Warren will catch the number five starter or whatever happens to be. And then on other days, you're able to get him at third base. You're able to get him, I don't know, maybe he can play left field. Like he just seems like a versatile guy where he can, you can just kind of stick him in the field just to get that really good discipline and hit tool at the plate. Maybe he, maybe he's your leadoff hitter that doesn't have a position in the field and you just kind of rotate him. Or maybe he's your leadoff hitter and he's your DH. Like, I just feel like there's a lot of options. Maybe Keston is your full-time DH if that is something that happens. We talked about that in the last podcast. If Keston goes to DH, you put him at second base. Like, I feel like there's just a lot of things that you could do with him. And the fact that he does get on base a lot and he he has that strong hit tool, I just feel like he's going to, if he kind of, puts everything together and is able to get to the majors. I just feel like it's going to be one of those guys that, yeah, he might not have a true position, but it's just going to be a guy that you need to get on the field. Yeah. And that's definitely what he has going for him. I mean, you think guys are always signing these versatile utility player guys and is a home position important. I I don't know. I mean, take a look at like previous, we'll use Brewer utility players, for example, like Hernan Pernas. What was his home position? What was he best at? I don't know. He was he was just decent at a lot of positions, and Brock Holt same way. You can even go same with Eric Sogard. So like, yeah, the defense if it's not going to be you know Gold Glove when he's in there, but if he's able to come through with a couple hits, which obviously we talked about hit tools and getting on bases, some of his stronger assets as well as being very versatile. Yeah, you're you're going to find a way onto the field wherever you play at whatever level. Um, so. Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, yeah, sure, he played in the MAC, which isn't by far the greatest Division One conference in the entire world. But you think to like 2019, he put together 90 hits that season, which was second in the league, had 70 RBIs. He was in the top 10 with batting average, 369 for 2019, set a single season program record of 22 doubles. And then like when the pressure's on, he showed the ability to do it as well. In the MAC tournament, he reached base six out of seven times in a in their opening day victory. Uh, collected five hits in a career, eight runs in a game versus Davenport in early April. So the guy can definitely contribute some key moments, um, you know. But for me, I think the biggest question is like these very versatile guys who don't necessarily have a home position. Like. I feel like reaching the majors is sometimes the hardest part for them, right? Like you can stick out a little bit offensively, but you know, if you don't have a home position, sometimes that can hinder you a little bit, but I don't know. Do you have any other thoughts on Xavier Warren at all? I guess the only other thing, and maybe you mentioned it, but I don't remember. Does he have speed? You know, as a catcher, typically we don't see those guys with a lot of speed, but he's pretty versatile. So does he have, speed to go along with his really good hit tool and all those things he's definitely not known for his speed i'm looking here in in his rookie season 2018 stole three bases and four attempts um i'm not finding his 2019 ones here but he's definitely not a big base dealer for sure okay 
I was just wondering because if he has some decent speed that that can help him like that situation where I said you know if we get this universal DH then you can put Kest in there like if he has decent fielding and speed like second base could be a spot for him like it it's just it'll be interesting to see what he is able to do if he's able to find that home position or is he going to be a Hernan Perez type of player it'll just be interesting to see what happens with with Warren yeah I'm seeing his MLB pipeline grade here for running is 45 so not not terrible about average Yeah. yeah All right, well, let's move on here. Enough of Xavier Warren, the versatile infielder. We're going to switch over to outfielder Joey Weimer. So here's a little soundbite on him. Cincinnati's best prospect, Ian Happ, was a Cubs first-rounder in 2016. Joey Weimer offers some of the best tools in the 2020 college crop, a little track record of doing damage at the plate. His bat speed, strength, and leverage give him plus raw power from the right side, but he's still figuring out how to translate it into production. Utilize a big late kick, and he has an uphill max effort swing and timing issues that lead to a lot of ground ball contact. He probably will need to overhaul his stroke at the next level, though he does show some patience at the plate. Weimer has plus speed and aggressive nature on the bases, showing a knack for stealing bags. He is well above average arm strength and is hit 98 miles an hour on the mound, but lack of control undermined him when Cincinnati briefly used him as a closer this spring. He's played left field for the Bearcats, but his quickness and arm would suggest he could handle any outfield assignment. So again, this was the Brewers' fourth-round pick, a very toolsy outfield. He bats from the right and throws from the right and is most definitely known for his strong throwing arm. Uh, he doesn't really have a strong tracker record of offensive success. In three years as a Cincinnati Bearcat, he hit 264, 379, 408, had 25 doubles, 12 home runs, and then 62 career RBIs. Does have a pretty good eye at the plate, drew 71 walks, um, but did strike out 104 times as well. He has a very huge leg kick that kind of the timing issues, and it tends to ha- make him ground out a lot more. Um, but he has admitted he's trying to calm it down and make it a little bit a little bit less high. Um, but yeah, like I said, defense is where he's most known for. He's a 70-grade throwing arm. In fact, Cincinnati tried to use him on the mound, uh, and he reached 98 miles per hour. His pitching career was very short-lived. It did not go well. Um, But, again, that's really fast. And he possesses very good speed for his size. And the offense is really just his biggest question mark. I mean, if he can figure out how to hit, um, he will be a very suitable corner outfielder, I think, uh, on any ball club. But what is your first impression on Joey Weimer, Trevor? You said the only question mark is his offense. I would disagree. His offense and his hair are his only question marks. (laughs) I was waiting Uh, for that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All joking aside, um, this is kind of the exact opposite of the first three picks, right? You know, the other ones were, you know, we have these guys with very, very strong hit tools. Garrett Mitchell also had ridiculous, ridiculous speed. Um, as well but this is more like he is a defensive guy you know that strong arm is important in the outfield and that is a very strong arm based on his a little bit of a pitching experience and that's that's good to hear and I think this one is David Stearns is like this guy defensively is already if we can get our minor league system to figure out you know whether it be that leg kick or whatever it happens to be what they can do in the batter's box to help him 
just become an adequate, you know, if he's like the seventh hitter in your order, he doesn't have to hit 300. He can hit, you know, 250 to 280. If he's somewhere in that range at the MLB level and he's got that great defense, that great arm, that that's, would be a solid player, I feel like, in the fourth round. Um, but it's all if they can figure out that, that issue at the plate and if they can help him with that, I think is going to be the thing to monitor with him. Other than that, once he figures that out, I feel like it's going to be a mat- just a matter of short time before he gets up at the major league level because that is his only true baseball question mark. He's got some personal issue question marks with that whole hair situation he's got going on, but... <laughs> I had I keep looking at him and I have to bring it up every time I look at him so I'm like ugh just cut it just cut the back of your hair dude it doesn't look good I get what you're doing and maybe with a helmet it'll look fine and a hat helmet and a hat on he would probably look fine but uh, I just don't I don't like it <laughs> it, I just envision you like I think back to like Austin Powers when they're like mole like it just stands yeah. out that's like you with his hair <laughs> yep, yep. I, i'm gonna exit off the tab so i don't say it anymore <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah but i don't know for me i think i think this fourth round selection is probably the least exciting the least guy i'm least excited about and i think it's mainly just because yeah the hit tool like you said it's not there and the track record hitting is not there so that's your biggest question mark and you think to like other guys in the brewers organizations who had strong throwing arms and just never could figure the offense out i automatically think to brett phillips like that guy had an absolute cannon and okay, sure, I'll say it. Brett Phillips had some personality issues too with his ridiculous laugh. <laughs> hey, his laugh was awesome. <laughs> it, it made me laugh, but <laughs> uh, yeah, if you can't figure the offense out, it, it's just you can't you can't make it in the majors. And I mean, the Brewers were able to to trade away Brett Phillips and get something out of him. But I think that's kind of what scares me the most about this pick is. No offense. Like, if you can't figure it out, you're not going to last. Very, very true. So hopefully he can figure it out. (laughs) Hopefully, hopefully. Trust and concerns on that one. So we'll switch over to the fifth round here, our last pick. We have shortstop Hayden Cantrell. So we have another soundbite on him here. One of just six NCAA Division I players to total as many as 25 extra bases and 25 steals in 2019, Hayden Cantrell could surpass Darren Babineau, 50th overall pick in 1995, as the highest draft choice in Louisiana Lafayette history. A switch hitter, he hits the ball with more authority from the left side of the plate. He has the potential to bat near the top of the batting order with his knack for drawing walks and getting on base. He also has plus speed and knows how to use it. He has some sneaky pop and has 15 homer upside, but he needs to focus less on power and more on cutting down his strikeouts. With his quickness and solid arm strength, Cantrell is capable of playing shortstop at an average big league standard. Teams wanting better defense may prefer him at second base, where he looked good during Cape Cod League play last summer. If he doesn't make enough offensive impact to hold down a regular job, his athleticism and versatility would lend themselves to a utility role. And despite being the final pick for the Brewers in this year's shortened five-round draft, um, the Brewers kind of got him at a steal. He was the 118th ranked prospect on MLB Pipeline, so going in the fifth round, he fell quite a bit. He is a switch-hitting shortstop slash second baseman. He had previously been drafted in the 40th round by the Yankees, and that was out of high school, and that made him the first, I'm going to mispronounce this, 
Turing Catholic player to be drafted out of high school. Um, but uh, in college at Louisiana Lafayette, had a very good career. Um, had a very poor start, however, to the 2020 season. In just the short 17 games, he was batting 136, which may have caused him to drop down the boards. But in years previous, he was one of only six Division One players to steal 25 bases and record 25 extra base hits in a season. So obviously, knowing that, you're going to think, yep, speed, you guessed it, is his biggest asset. Uh, MLB Pipeline gives him a 60 grade on speed. And over his three years at college, he stole 50 bases. 28 of them came his sophomore year, because obviously his junior year was cut extremely short. And then overall, scouts believe he's not going to be able to stick at shortstop long term. And that second base um, may be best suited for him. He does have the arm strength to play third base, but they really just think shortstop's not going to work because he's kind of got a funky arm delivery. But any thoughts here on Hayden Kentrell? I mean, looking at his stats, it's pretty, I mean, I wouldn't say spectacular numbers, but pretty solid numbers across the board. Um he does seem to walk quite a bit, but he also seems to strike out quite a bit. I mean, his 2018, he was his on-base percentage was 407. 2019, 426. And Tyler mentioned he his average was pretty terrible um, in the shortened 2020 season, but it was still above 300 for his on-base at 320. So he does walk quite a bit, and he walked 12 times in that short. 2020 season but he does strike out quite a bit and actually he strikes out more than he walks which is a little bit concerning for me at least especially at that level you hopefully he's able to figure out the strikeout issue and I would prefer my players to walk more than they strike out but I guess that's I guess it's not a huge deal because he still hit pretty good he did have a good on base percentage um it's it's just kind of figuring out if he's where he's going to play and all of those types of things and getting a guy this late that was ranked higher up on there that MLB pipeline sounds sounds like a good win for me in round five in the last round of the draft yeah I'm glad you brought up the strikeouts there because I mean the really really good hitters are going to do that like you said, uh, walk more than strike out. In the MLB, uh, probably not. Um, that's not very realistic. But in college, your guys who are going to stand out are going to hit off those pitchers consistently. But it's not to say Control isn't a good hitter. I mean, he is. he's had a couple good games diving into his career a little bit. For the Raging Cajuns, which I just wanted to say because it's really fun, uh, he tallied a three-home run game in 2019. He was That became the 10th player in program history to do that. And then he also hit for the cycle, and those are separated by three days apart from one another. So when you're on, you're on, I guess. But for him, Hayden, he's very consistent and durable. He started 135 consecutive games, so definitely has durability in there. And obviously, professionals are going to play a lot more even than the college players do. So that, of course, always gets tested. But staying healthy is is good and definitely a positive for him. All right, Trevor, any other thoughts on the MLB draft as a whole here before we wrap things up? I don't think so. I, I said in the last podcast that I was hoping for a pitcher at some point in this draft. Um, obviously, I didn't get it, but for the most part, I am pretty excited about all these players. Um, 
The one, like Tyler said, that I'm least excited about is probably our fourth-round pick in Joey Weimer, however you say his name. <laughs> um, but if he can figure out his hit and how to bat, you know, that would be great, and he could be an exciting prospect as well. But I do think I, I am pretty excited about at least four of these five guys, which is which is awesome to hear. And I, I'm excited to see what they're able to do and when we're going to be able to see them. And hopefully we see Garrett Mitchell soon. And, you know, even for, like Tyler mentioned in the last podcast, the, you know, spring training of 2021, that sounds like a good time to see Garrett Mitchell, see what he's able to do. And at this point, that's the only part I hate about the MLB draft is now I have to wait like two or three years before I can even see any of these players. Yeah, that is always the most unfortunate part. And I'm glad you mentioned pitching because we're recording this on Sunday, June 14th. And I know this is coming out on Wednesday the 17th, but Sunday today marks the day all the guys who weren't drafted could start signing. So the Brewers, as I'm I'm sure you know, will be actually signing pitchers. It's not like they're not going to bring anybody new into the minor league organization. So guys will be added and... Maybe in future episodes we'll get into them. We'll see. I'm kind of curious to see how many players the Brewers do actually end up signing. So that'll be something to monitor as a baseball fan while we await the season yet. So with that, that is a wrap on the uh, 2020 MLB Draft Recap. It was it was a lot of fun. We learned a lot throughout this process. And now we let the waiting begin, so make sure now that you guys have heard their names when the season begins, check up on them every now and then, see how they're doing, and and let us know. It's always good to spread the word about these guys. So until next podcast, we will talk to you later, Brewer fans. Trust in Stearns.